The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hey there, welcome to episode 94 of the Book of Mormon podcast. Kevin and Shelby Stanfill, your esteemed hosts of the Book of Mormon podcast here. Um, we're in Alma 5 today. Yes, we are. It's a long one. It's a long one, and it's, you know, we don't normally have to plan a lot for our podcasts for the episodes because normally we get through one chapter a week or sometimes we have to break them into two you know whatever is expedient for for discussion but this is a really long chapter and it's very different it it, it moves away from the narrative of the Book of Mormon that we really have loved for the last several months, which is like, hey, we're following this group of people as they go here, and this is what they learned and experienced, and this is what the Lord taught them, and so on and so forth. This chapter begins Alma the Younger's ministry as high priest and full-time missionary among the people of Zarahemla, and all the lands roundabout. And so because it's different, we've got to adjust our, you know, discussion. our discussion because it, it and, and I think it's good because maybe we have gotten too much into a presentation style on the podcast. Of course, we still have conversations and we discuss things. But this is a good way to just kind of um, reset, figure out, you know, what what did the Lord want us to take away from these words that he preserved uh, through his prophets? Yeah. Right. So just to catch us up, and, and if you haven't listened to the last episode, you definitely need to because it, it talks about so much of the affairs of Zarahemla and the, the reason why Alma, who was chief judge and high priest, he basically quits his day job <laughs> and takes to the full-time ministry. Um, it reminds me a lot of President Don H. Oaks. Hmm. He was, because the being high priest, what was the other... Uh, office he held chief judge chief judge thank you um president Dallin H. jokes he was a he was going to be on the supreme what was he going to be a supreme court judge i believe yeah or something like that um don't quote me but something along that and so when he was called to be an apostle of the lord he gave that up to you know become an apostle a disciple a lifelong ministry solely to the gospel of Jesus Christ and no other quote unquote day job. Um, 
because it was a job to rule the affairs of the laws of the land, you know? Other people could do that, which is why Alma appointed other people. But anyway, that was all from last chapter, but it reminded me of Dalinia jokes. Yeah, for sure. So That's a good modern-day equivalent. And, you know, it, it had to have been something that, that because we know that the Lord is not going to lead Alma astray. If, if the Lord had wanted Alma to remain as chief judge, and if he had said, Alma, no, you're going to make more impact as the chief judge than if you go out among the people and only serve as high priest, then he would have said something. He would have let Alma know. But it was expedient that he turn over the, the, the responsibilities um, of that office to someone else and then really focus. Cause he, you know, what I talked to you about before we recorded Shelm was that, you know, we're not many years away from the coming of Jesus Christ. Right. We right. were, this is dated about 80, 83 BC. Plus you, that's before Christ is born. Right. right. So then add on about 30 something years. Right. So, but it's, I mean, it's still, it's close. Yeah, really close. And, you know, we talk about the Lord is hastening his work nowadays. Uh, he certainly, he's been hastening his work all along, you know, because it's time is a lot different to the Lord, you know. But Alma saw that as he, he sees all the things going on in the church and he sees it becoming a stumbling block, right? Like we learned about last week. And he decides, I need to go out and put some things in order. And <laughs> it really puts Alma in, in a different light. It's like he's going out to, to uh, give a course correction for the church, right? Because he sees him going astray. So let's go ahead and dive in. Now, beginning with chapter five, it says the words which Alma, the high priest, according to the holy order of God, delivered to the people in their cities and villages throughout the land. So he's going to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he begins right there in Zarahemla, right? He's not going to go to another city. He's just going to start right where he is, which is interesting because these people know him. They, they know him as the high priest, sure, but also as the chief judge. So their relationship with him may be a little bit different. Um, that's something to keep in mind as we read. There's nothing that I know uh, from the onset that, that like, oh, we're going to see that makes a difference but I want us to think about that as we go. So in verse three, if I may, mm-hmm. he talks about his father and he mentions that he has been consecrated uh, to be a high priest by his father, um, having authority from God. And he gives this little history lesson, which we know about, from back in the book of Mosiah, when Alma, the elder, he 
established a church there in Helam, uh, near the, the land of Nephi. And he brings up uh, the, the fact that they were delivered out of the hands of um, King Noah uh, by the mercy and power of God. They also were then put in, uh, in bondage by the Lamanites. And again, they were delivered out of bondage because of God. So what I take away from this is we, we already know this. We've, we've read this. It's prepared us, you know, up to this point to know like, okay, yeah, we read about that in, in Mosiah. I took away that he has to begin, first of all, by stating that it's his authority. He's called of God. Not anybody can just go and do it. That's like first and foremost, like, let me just remind you. I think like his intent there. Okay. It's not, not anybody can just go and start course correcting the church. Mm. <laughs> and then secondly, I think he has to remind them of their roots, their family history, why they are where they are today. And he does that by, just, you know, saying what you just said. He reminds them of uh, the, the fathers that came before them. Um, which then leads to like a beautiful, <laughs> I would say like poetic <laughs> language that he uses in a way um, from here on out. Because then he starts to ask questions and he starts to ask, he says a lot the word remember and remembrance. And with regard to family history, he says, have you sufficiently retained in remembrance the captivity of your fathers? This is in verse six. And then, yea, have you sufficiently retained in remembrance his mercy and long suffering towards them? And moreover, have you sufficiently retained in remembrance that he has delivered their souls from hell? So I asked Kevin before the podcast, because we had a friend that moved here ooh, like two summers ago. We got to know her in the YSA. And she taught one time, or she spoke to us. I don't know if it was in. It was in an institute class. Institute class. We got into a little group and discussed some things. There you go. And she explained she was trying to figure out the word remembrance. Like, what does it mean? And I always forget what she says, but Kevin always remembers, so I'm grateful. But what she had said was that remembrance, like remembering something, is only useful in as much as it leads you to change. So that makes me think in this context here where he's bringing up the family history and he's bringing up his authority and like all these things, he's only bringing it up so that it will bring change. <laughs> Not to look back and like look at mistakes or anything necessarily, but to remember the hand of God. I mean, we see Christ and his mercy through all of it, to be able to promote change in the church, which is his intent, right? Bear pure testimony and, you know, have the people repent and change. And one way to do that is to remember, right? Remember Christ. Remember he was with your fathers and, and all these things. So anyway. And, and I want to point out that, he, you know, remember the, the people and their character, the character of the people who 
Alma took out into the wilderness and taught in the land of Mormon and baptized there. And I linked it back to Mosiah 18 and it talks about Alma himself says to the people, ye are desirous to come into the fold of God and to be called his people and are willing to bear one another's burdens that they may be light. Yea, and are willing to mourn with those that mourn. Yea, and comfort those that stand in need of comfort, stand as witnesses of God and be numbered with those of the first resurrection. And at the end it says, and now when the people had heard these words, more than what I just spoke, they clapped their hands for joy and exclaimed, this is the desire of our hearts. So this, this was a people that were anxiously awaiting a prophet and one with authority to come and help them have an experience with the Savior, uh, even through that sacred ordinance of baptism. So they were prepared, you know, they, they were, they're in bondage. They, they didn't have it. Meanwhile, here in Zarahemla, they've got the church all over, right? It's kind of like us today where we have a local uh, authority and the priesthood is bountiful, you know, you know, in, in a way, right? It's, It's almost like Alma is calling them to, to remembrance and he wants them to be humbled by all that they have. And they're, they're kind of taking it for granted, maybe. Yeah, I would agree. See, this is where it gets a little different. You know, we're used to, and we'll just be honest. I mean, I'm used to looking down and going to the next verse, but there's so much there's so much we could pause on on each verse and talk for hours about, to be honest. <laughs> and the biggest thing I think I took away from a lot of these first verses, and I don't know if we just want to talk about the topic and reference things, but just about, first of all, making change. I don't know if you'd agree with me, Kev, or we can, we can talk about it, but making a change, a.k.a. repenting, and then how it's like done or who it's done through, right? We're mm -hmm. reminded of like what conditions are you saved upon in these things? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously the people uh, at the Waters of Mormon, they weren't saved by Alma. They weren't saved by the waters. They were saved by Jesus Christ. Right. And that's what um, Alma hammers home on uh, talking to these people. He says, now I ask you on what conditions are they saved? Yea, what grounds had they, uh, had they to hope for salvation? What is the cause of their being loosed from the bands of death? Yea, and also the chains of hell. Um, and he, he references Abinadi, right? Mm -hmm. He talks about what Abinadi taught. And in a way, I don't know, the fact that he then goes to Abinadi, he's like, look, look at Abinadi. This is mm -hmm. not new 
doctrine, you know, he knew it before all of this. Mm. Um, did he not speak the words of God? And my father Alma believed them. So maybe he's trying to say, it doesn't matter who the words are coming from. It doesn't matter who is performing the ordinance. You need to look to God. Well, I kind of found this, um, I don't want to say pattern, maybe like a, I'm going to call it like a secret sauce. <laughs> okay. Um, in verse 13 specifically, and this is about having change because these people had a mighty change in their hearts. He says it twice, one in, once in 12 and once in 13. And he says, and they humbled themselves. Well, first he says, meaning um, Abinadi at this point, he preached the word unto your fathers and a mighty change was wrought in their hearts. And then to follow this, it says, and they humbled themselves and put their trust in the true and living God. And behold, they were faithful until the end. Therefore, they were saved. Now, we could talk about this verse like 13 forever, but this is the quote unquote secret sauce I'm talking about is if we want to have that mighty change in our hearts, I feel like there's some key words that come from what the people did. And that was that they were humbled. They put them, they put their trust in God, right? No one else, not their own selves, but God. And then they were faithful until the end. And this, all of this combined leads to a mighty change of heart, right? Yeah. And um, it just makes me think we can ask ourselves that same question, like, have we had a mighty change of heart? Yeah, because, you know, just again, looking back to those people who Alma, the elder, baptized, they were still kind of being oppressed by King Noah at the time. They weren't their own free people. Well, yeah. And then they when they... in the wilderness. <laughs> yeah, they were like hiding in the wilderness, evading the armies of King Noah. Right. And then when they did flee further, then they got um, caught up in the Lamanites, you know, and, and the Am uh, Amulon, right? Mm -hmm. uh, reigning over them in wickedness. And, but all throughout that, they endured to the end. They didn't give away their faith. And they, they even prayed, right? They prayed yeah. in their hearts, despite the physical circumstances that they had. So what else do you want to say about that? Just that once again, I think Alma's reminding the people now that he's talking to in Zarahemla, like, remember this, like, look back and see because of all their choices that they made in those moments, like those hard times, you are where you are today. And then he like starts to like, I don't want to say condemn them, but he goes hard. <laughs> he definitely turns the questions. Because uh, he starts talking about judgment. Right. And that's what I mean by going hard. But No, no, you're <laughs> right. So after that, in verse 14, he 
kind of turns to, he, he even addresses them as my brethren of the church. So these are, these are members of the church, baptized, mm-hmm. confirmed members and asks, have ye been spiritually born of God? Like in a way, somebody could take that as, as like, Elmer, are you, are you serious? I'm, uh, I've been baptized um, in the church my whole life, right? But it's that's not what he's asking. He's not asking, are you a member of the church? He's asking, are you converted? Yeah. And it reminds me of Elder Bednar. Man, when I first uh, joined the church back in 2010, came across a video of him saying something along the lines of, you know, I think every member of the church has a testimony of the church and the truthfulness of the book of mormon and so on um or at least they could have right uh, i don't know exactly what he said but he said i'm not so sure that every member of the church is converted and that made my ears perk up because i was like hang on a second there is more that I need to do, you, you know, entering in by the way is really only entering in by the way. And then you have to continue that, that straight narrow path. So, yeah. And he, he goes on to, um, give these other things, you know, exercising faith, um, and looking forward with an eye of faith, right? Which to me, all the questions he asks after he states like a, like a, well, shouldn't say he stated a principle there because he asked a question like, have you spiritually been born? We, we talked about how that's conversion, Mm -hmm. right? But all these things that come after these questions that come after to me are like little hints as to what I should be doing to get what he's talking about. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, there's a there was a definition of conversion in Alma in the Book of Mormon Student Manual. It says conversion means to turn with. Conversion is a turning from the ways of the world to and staying with the ways of the Lord. And all of this, the reason that all this is important is because Alma is concerned about the spiritual destiny of his people and also their children and the all the way down and and, because we know in the chapter before that they they're not doing the things they should be and i think it's expedient that we we move forward and you know he's obviously in these next several verses he talks about this future judgment day and that that's what he's getting at he's like you've got to get you've got to prepare you've got to get prepared for it um and he he goes back in verse 20 and he asks can you think of being saved um i say unto you can you think of being saved when you have yielded yourselves to become subjects to the devil and we know back from uh king benjamin he talked about the natural man and the, and, and the natural man being an enemy to God. 
He's always been an enemy and will be forever and ever unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Jesus Christ and so on and so forth, right? But instead, you know, the people that Alma's speaking to right now, they're puffed up in their pride. They've started to do all the things that we heard in the last chapter. Well, they've yielded to the natural man. Correct. Which, what what would that look like today? You know, I, I don't have to look very far because I myself <laughs> do yield to um, the, the natural man. You know, when it, it, it can be anything from when I get annoyed with somebody and dismiss them as if they were not my brother or sister. That's what a natural man would do, you know, not seeing the familial relationship between uh, each other. Right. I don't know if y'all can pick up the traffic noise in the background, but it's very noisy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think it looks as simple as um, for me. I think it looks, okay, let me say this. It looks different for everybody because the natural man... I think there's certain things of the natural man that appeal to certain people and some things that don't. Yeah. Good point. And so, um, for me, something very simple to yield to the natural man to, uh, or give to would be, let me just sit down on the couch for three hours and watch a bunch of Netflix. Right. Because what would heavenly father rather have me do at that time? He'd rather have me put that off and, I don't know, go minister, family history, um, read my scriptures. Like there's so many other things that he'd probably rather have me do. <laughs> and so yeah, even, even, you know, get some work done, get some chores done or. And, right. Like and necessary a, things. And hey, let's let's put off the natural man by only watching an hour right. of it. It's not that it has to be, oh, I have to substitute uh, worldly or, you know, pleasures completely for those higher, holier things. It's just, how can I fill my time with more of those things and less of the things of the world, less Mm -hmm. things that a natural man would. How can I continually convert myself? Very good. Yeah. Is what I would say. Because that's what, that's what we're going for. Yeah. Conversion, right? True conversion. And, and, you know. That leads to change. But very important None of this that we're talking about saves us. By, by putting, none of this what? I would say, I'd be so bold as to say that none of the things that we're talking about right now, like putting off the natural man mm-hmm. um, through, you know, not watching excess TV or um, doing, you know, doing the choosing the better part. Mm-hmm. That doesn't save us. You know, we're not saved by our good works. We're saved by Jesus Christ. But he wants us to use the time that we have here to, to much more get like much more uh, good than sometimes we do. Um, the reason that I wanted to bring us back to that is because in verse 21, Alma says, 
you will know at that day that you cannot be saved, for there can no man be saved except his garments are washed white. Yet his garments must be purified until they are cleansed from all stain through the blood of him of whom it has been spoken by our fathers who should come to redeem his people from their sins. And, you know, when we think of like soiled garments, <laughs> um, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is after my workout, right? Where my, you know, I'm just peeling off layers of clothing, you know, yeah. I got to take a shower and it does require us to like, to physically wash the garment. But what about the spiritual garments, right? Like our souls, the, the things that we're going to take with us and, and be resurrected with. Right. And that you can't just, it's not enough to rinse off and wash uh, with soap and water. It, it's, it requires um, much, much more, more than we could ever give. And that was, uh, that was paid by the savior. What he asks in, in return for his atoning blood is that we remember him. He'll give us his spirit so that we can try to put off the natural man, be more like him and heavenly father. Um, and, and, and really see that, um, there's a better way. I think, uh, what you're talking about, what you're saying can also conversion and, and sanctification, I think are, are very closely related. Um, because that process of being sanctified and converted is just becoming more and more like our Savior Jesus Christ and wanting to do what he wants us to do. And so he brings all this. I do want to kind of bring it back to the context of Alma speaking because we could talk about that topic for, for a long time. Right. But in the context of, of this Alma, Alma talking to the people, he brings it up because he then kind of like flips it and is like, hey, <laughs> can you honestly stand at, at the last day? Can you stand before God with your garments being stained, you know, meaning a spiritual stain here? And still, like, how are these things not going to testify against you and still want to go sit down in the kingdom with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. People who have proven worthy. Right. right? And here you are heeding to the natural man, yielding to the natural man, but you still expect or somehow think that you're going to live with Heavenly Father. You, you get what I'm saying? He brings, I'm saying he brings all this up for, for yeah. that 
point reason to to tell the people who are making these mistakes uh, right now that they need to stop or else this will be their reality. I want to bring something up. Okay. Maybe I'm going way off off topic, but I don't think so. Because okay. the spirit just told me, you're on to something. <laughs> okay. Today, we went on a little hike. Yeah. And it was kind of hot. It was a good, you know, it wasn't like sweltering. No. But we got some sun. Right. We were in some active wear shorts, t-shirt kind of thing. Right. We go, we run past the store on the way home. <clears throat> and we almost, we thought about getting some food. Mm-hmm. And at first you were like, oh, maybe we could go to El Phoenix. Because mm-hmm. it's right there. It's a Mexican right. food place. Yeah. And I said no. And at first I was like saying no because we had already had dinner plans at home. Right. Then on the way out of the shopping center, you again, like I, I pointed out Olive Garden was there. And you're like, I wouldn't mind Olive Garden. <laughs> Little natural man. Right. Right. Yeah. Hungry. But we were still in kind of dirty clothes. Yeah. And I sweaty. And I said, we're not really dressed for Olive Garden. Now, they would have let us go in there. No problem. Right. We we live in a society that you could walk into a nice restaurant uh, in any condition and they're going to serve you. Your money's still good. Right. But I want us to think about that in terms of you and I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been comfortable going in there like we were. It's the same thing. Like, are you going to go sit down in heaven mm-hmm. with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and our father who's perfect and our savior who's perfect? And you're going to be wearing dirty soiled clothes that signify your pride and filthiness filthiness. yeah all the things that that these people are are currently uh, you know enjoying or whatever the people in sarah himmel at the time who are kind of afflicted by the pride cycle right yeah so i wanted to bring that up and, and kind of liken it to that situation. You're, you, you don't, it's not that someone's better than you. Nobody in that Olive Garden would have been better than us. But maybe they would be more prepared than us. And I believe a great synonym for worthy is prepared. Hmm. Are you prepared to go into the house of the Lord? Have you prepared yourself to do that? Are you prepared to be baptized? Are you prepared to make a covenant with God? Right? You can interchange that word with worthy means the exact same thing. Hmm. I like, I like that perspective. I like that uh, insight on the word. And I've, I've never, I've actually never heard you talk about it before. Hmm. First time. First time for everything. We got a triple C exclusive. Yeah. (laughs) But really, that Alma asks so many things (laughs) in this chapter. (laughs) 
and there's more there's still more <laughs> but the the order and and kevin brought this up earlier before we started he said we have to keep in mind that maybe um because i would i was getting overwhelmed earlier with just reading the chapter and thinking how are we going to talk about it but he did Kevin did bring up like maybe these, you know, it does seem intense right now because we're just reading, you know, all 63 verses. Um, I think that's how many there are. But maybe like this is just broken up from different sermons and taken here and taken there and, and put together for us to read, for us to be, for us to know what was expedient. And I remember my mission president, I believe, said, go home and read Alma chapter five and ask yourself every single question that Alma asked the people because they are just as applicable to us as they are to them because we live and unfortunately we live in a world that is also very very filthy now the church is a lot more intact i would say you know there's i i think maybe there are some hindrances in the church um but not as, I don't think they're not as extreme as here. I don't know. I, but my point is that you can ask yourself these questions and apply them to yourself. Like everything we're talking about, it's not us here, Kevin and I lecturing you. Like we ask, we need to ask ourselves these questions too. So I want to say something. The luxury of living in the dispensation of fullness of times, mm -hmm. which we are in, is that the church is established and it's never going away. Furthermore, that's true. If a stake or a ward or a branch, whatever, starts to go astray, there are uh, safety nets where there's a safeguard in place called the next priesthood holder up the chain of command if you will like the next the, the next authority so that would be you know the the bishop to the stake president to then the area 70 to then whatever else comes next i'm the point that i'm making is that the luxury that we have now is that if a ward starts to kind of go astray, it'll get corrected real quick, right? Um, or at least it has, there's an infrastructure in place to correct it. Alma didn't have that. <laughs> right. The, the church was weaker in that, um, but that's why he's out here doing this, is because he sees right. that there's, deficiencies uh in the church and so and maybe maybe that actually proves me wrong that that there was something in place and it just happened to be uh alma <laughs> right he he was like hey things aren't going right over here i gotta go set this place in order we saw that all throughout the you know latter half of the new testament right the apostles just going places and then whipping people into shape because they weren't doing things right um, I forget exactly where I was going with all that, but, but, you know, oh, I remember. 
Thanks. Thanks, Spirit. <laughs> um, like I was saying, we live in a luxurious time where the church is not going to be filled with hindrances. The church is no longer a stumbling block. Mm. It's our personal lives that need to be set in order. We are in our own way and we need to get out of our own way and we need to put more trust in the Lord, more trust in his servants, the apostles and prophets. And we just need to do the things that we're asked to do, you know, follow the commandments for crying out loud. <laughs> well, because those things, as we improve ourselves, we improve the church, our service in the church. Right. You yeah. know? I know I'm talking a lot, but you know, the, the other day when um, I brought up that, you know, around here, you know, in America, by and large, people obey the traffic laws. Yeah. Right. Like the stop signs, the stoplights, things like that. Even when there's no reason for people to stop at a stoplight in the middle of the night, they still do it. Because we all agreed that we're kind of follow the rules so that the society is a better place to live. And we take that for granted sometimes. And in other countries, those are more guidelines, right? This, the stop sign, the stoplight, that's a guideline that people go by, right? My point is, what was my point, Shelby? I'm not sure. You, you, we were. <laughs> we could always um, listen back and remind ourselves. Yeah, we could. Um, what I, what I think I was going for there was that, all oh, right, we in the church, we choose to have a great ward or mm -hmm. we choose to have kind of an okay ward, mm. right? When we go to church on Sunday, are we okay with it just being an okay ward where everybody kind of knows each other, we get together on certain days, mm -hmm. or are we going there and we lovingly embrace one another and we're excited to be a part of one another's lives, not just on Sunday, but all throughout the week and listen, I'm like the spirit is chastising me as I speak. And like, Kevin, you have so much more to do in this regard. Like you need to be so much better at ministering and, and really living this principle that you're teaching. Um, and I know that, so I'm not, I'm not over here saying that the Stanfields have it figured out, <laughs> but, um, I do know that it's possible. So, you know, that, that's what I was going with is that, the, the people who make up the church, they decide what kind of church they're gonna they're gonna have, and um, they're either they're either uh, chastised and, and smitten by the Lord because of their pride and uh, disobedience, or they're preserved and prospered because of their um, humility and obedience, right? Yeah. 
which I think that brings it all back to in the beginning. Let me find it. He talks about viewing in 15. Okay, I guess it wasn't really the beginning, beginning. Well, kind of, yeah. He says, do you exercise faith in the redemption of him who created you? Do you look forward with an eye of faith and view this mortal body raised in immortality? In this corruption, raised in incorruption to stand before God to be judged according to the deeds. It comes back to the perspective of the people. If they don't have a, a long-term perspective or eternal perspective here, they're not going to make the choices to have a good church or have a good church experience and and change themselves to be better for the church, to present that church. We know now in these last days, we will present the church to Christ when he comes again. It's his church, right? Right. And so if we don't have that perspective of eternity, we don't, I don't know, it, it's going to be, it's a lot harder to make those changes that Alma's inviting us to do. I want to testify along with Alma here that this time is a time where this life is a time for us to prepare to meet God. Right. Remember how I talked about like the word worthy and the word prepared being interchangeable, right? In verse 27 through 30, he's really, Alma's really calling people out for their iniquity. Um, I'm going to read them. Go for it. We haven't read a ton of scriptures uh, like we normally do, so I'm just going to go ahead. He asks, have you walked keeping yourselves blameless, blameless before God? Could you say, if you were called to die at this time within yourselves, that you have been sufficiently humble? That your garments have been cleansed and made white through the blood of Christ, who will come to redeem his people from their sins. Behold, are ye stripped of pride? He's talking to people who are like really living it up, right? Mm -hmm. Just look back at the previous chapter. I say unto you, if you're not, you're not prepared to meet God. Behold, ye must prepare quickly. You must become worthy quickly for the kingdom of heaven is soon at hand and such an one hath not eternal life. Behold, I say, is there one among you who is not stripped of envy? I say unto you that such an one is not prepared or worthy. And I would, or I would desire that he should prepare or become worthy quickly for the hour is close at hand. And he knoweth not when the time shall come, for such an one is not found guiltless. And again, I say unto you, is there one among you that doth make a mock uh, of his brother, or that heapeth upon him persecutions? He knows this is true, that people in the church at this time are persecuting those not of the church. Whether that, I mean, we don't know all the the details of that but i mean it could be even just a 
um, kind of a class system. Like, oh, you're not a member of our church, so we're not going to serve you. We're not going to let you spend your money here. You know, well, stuff we know like that. that's what they were doing. Right, right, right. Okay, so yeah, we do have more we details. We do know that, yeah. They were turning... We're turning them away. They were turning them away when they should have been yeah. accepting them. Yeah. And so, and he he finishes it out in verse 31. Woe unto such an one, or such a person, for he is not prepared or worthy, and the time is at hand that he must repent. He must change be converted or he cannot be saved. And then we, we get another woe. Yeah. <laughs> when you see woes, <laughs> pay attention. But 32, yea, even woe unto all you workers of iniquity. Repent, repent, for the Lord God has spoken it. And, you know, this could have been a real surprise to some people in the church who thought, well, but I'm, I've been baptized. I'm, I'm a member of the church. I've, I'm numbered among those, you know, in the book of life. Um, I didn't know I needed to do more or, you know, I, I, I think that's, <laughs> they, they, they knew they needed to do more, but they, they justified themselves. They, they found, they found a reason to persecute others. They found a reason to not treat others as their brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that can happen to us. We can become numb to the enticings of the Holy Ghost when we yield to the enticings of the devil, of the natural man. Because yeah. th- then we start to think like, you know, I, this guy, he can go get a job. I don't, you know, why do I have to give him anything? You know, you start mm-hmm. you start justifying yourselves in your sins. So, because the more uncomfortable thing to do would be to change, right? Ooh, I don't want to do that. No one likes change, <laughs> but change brings growth. Yeah, there is no growth in the comfort zone and no comfort in the growth zone. And isn't it wonderful that the Savior, all He does is invite us, all of us, all men. In verse 33, uh, it says, For the arms of mercy are extended towards them. And he saith, Repent, and I will receive you. It's, I, I don't want to say it's as easy as that, because it is. it can be very difficult to strip yourself of this pride and this envy. And it could be even, it could be a part of your identity. Um, Listen. Their habits. We are humans and we develop habits and sometimes they're healthy and sometimes they're unhealthy. And this can be in anything, anything in your life. And so when, when you want to change something, you're changing a habit. You are rewiring your brain to do something different than you were doing before. That is hard. It takes, I think it's, goodness, I just read about this. Um, I think it takes three months for something to become just habitual. Mm. Like, you just do it because you made the habit. Right. You get what I'm saying? Now, scientifically, if you start something 
like a day one, day two, and then day three comes around and you miss it, then you're not, that's not going to become a habit. It shows like the science shows. So if you miss a habit more than one or two days into it or changing whatever that is, you got to start over. (laughs) And I think as humans, we don't like starting over. It's uncomfortable. You know, I, I thought I was doing well. I thought this, I thought that. And, and that's where I believe the atonement of Jesus Christ, when you partner with him, you can make less of those giving in, you know, when you, when you break a habit or give into an old habit, you can get back on track faster and you can stay there longer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when he's inviting us to repent and what was uh, to do repent and I will receive you in verse 33, he's saying, just start, just start day one. You're changing and then lean on me and keep going with whatever that thing is that you need to repent of. Yeah. You know what I mean? What's also really cool is that our Father in Heaven and our Savior Jesus Christ have given us um, a pattern, maybe, to look for, to evaluate if what we ourselves are doing is is good and also what other people are doing is good. Mm. And it's, it's by the fruits. Yes. Right? Right. And that's what he talks about next. Um, in verse 34, yea, uh, he saith, the Lord saith, come unto me and ye shall partake of the fruit of the tree of life. Yea, ye shall drink, eat and drink of the bread and the waters of life freely. Yea, come unto me and bring forth works of righteousness and ye shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire. Of course, going back to like this, the symbolism of like the, um, in, in Jacob five, mm-hmm. right. Of the, the vineyard. The allegory being, of the olive tree. Yeah. Um, for behold, the time is at hand that whosoever bringeth forth not good fruit or whosoever doeth not the works of righteousness, one and the same, mm-hmm. the same have cause to wail and mourn because they, they weren't prepared, right? They didn't prepare to meet God. Yeah, they they chose to not do the good the good things. They were they chose to be workers of iniquity. Mm-hmm. In verse thirty seven, they are described here: ye that are puffed up in the vain things of the world, ye that have professed to have known the ways of righteousness, nevertheless have gone astray, as sheep having no shepherd. And I would even say sheep that chose to not follow the shepherd, notwithstanding, right, a shepherd hath called after you and is still calling after you, but you will not hearken unto his voice. So it's a choice. Mm -hmm. The Lord's never going to leave us out in the cold, right? And I just keep drawing a lot of parallels to what we read the other day in Dr. Anderson's book, Habits of Health, mm-hmm. that it's a choice. You make a choice to follow the Savior. 
And every other choice, when you make that fundamental choice to follow him and not yield to the enticings of the natural man, but rather yield to the Holy Spirit, all your other decisions after that will come based off that one fundamental choice. But if you never made that fundamental choice to follow the Savior, then your other choices might not be based off that. They're based off of wishy-washy, I'm not sure, right? Or or they're based off of, I don't want to follow the Savior, right? So I just keep thinking of that the other day that we read. You know, on the subject of talking about our works Mm -hmm. and the fruit that we we are symbolizing as the works of righteousness or the works of iniquity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's not so different in terms of like, you know, who whoever you follow, you're going to start being a lot like them, right? You're going to take on their characteristics. Um, I mean, a great example is like a, in a, in leadership, right? In a business. If the guy at the top doesn't care or he's doing something that's not right, or he doesn't, he doesn't value certain things. The people who are supposed to be following him will also not care about those things. Right. Right. The, the Lord, (laughs) we know in great detail what he values. And as we choose to not um, share those values, we can't be called his followers. He d- he's not going to have anything to do with us. I mean, imagine your, your boss at work is really uh, adamant about something and you choose to just not really worry about it. He's going to come to you and he's going to say, hey, now I, I really need you to do this. And if you continue to not get in line, he's, he's going to let you go. He's, you're not going to be called an employee of his company. Yeah. Right. And as the Lord, um, he calls us in his own name, which is the name of Christ. And if you will not hearken unto the voice of the good shepherd, this is in verse 38, you're not the sheep of the good shepherd. It's just as simple as that. There's two, goes back to two churches, the church of the Lamb of God and the church of the devil. Um, I just keep seeing the parallels here that Alma just keeps pointing out. Like it's either you're doing this or you're doing this. And here's the consequence if you're doing this. And here's the consequence if you're doing that. You get what I'm saying? And he keeps giving these examples and what they can do to change and how they can repent and come closer to the savior and be his sheep. You know, it's, it's never too late to turn to him. So. And that's, that's really what Alma is teaching in these next verses. He's in verse 40, for I say unto you that whatsoever is good cometh from God whatsoever is evil cometh from the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in this way, we're able to differentiate easily between what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing, 
what constitutes a change of heart and what constitutes just kind of getting to your old habits again, you know, um, he brings back the, the idea of wages, right? In verse 42, whosoever doeth this must receive his wages of him, wherefore for his wages he receiveth death, and to things pertaining unto righteousness being dead unto all good works. You know, he, this was in, uh, in the previous chapter, uh, actually in Alma 3, at the very end, he says, for every man receiveth wages of him whom he listeth to obey. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're working for an unscrupulous boss, are you going to expect to receive an honest wage and great benefits and, you know, a, a great, you know, uh, great experience to put on a resume? Or are you going to go to your next job and be like, man, I, I don't really have anything to offer because we were just doing things wrong over there, right? I want to change, want to do better, but I'm coming here with no, with nothing to show. I've got to start over. Yeah. But then the Lord's like, hey, we've got a place for you right here. <laughs> and we'll teach you everything we need that you need to know. Right. Right. And it's still hard work. It's very hard work. <laughs> and the wage is so worth it. Yes. It's true. Um, I, I love also that Alma, he says, I would that you should hear me for I speak in the energy of my soul. For behold, I have spoken unto you plainly that you cannot err or have spoken according to the commandments of God. I have felt that as we're reading, as we're talking. It is so plain to me (laughs) that you can't mistake one thing over another. Right. You can't. It's so clear what he's saying. Um, There's no way to misinterpret his words. Well, unless you intentionally, you know, try to. Okay, I'll take that one caveat you know that can be considered but if you're honestly trying to do good and repent like you you cannot even if you're in the wrong you can't deny anything he's saying we've seen that in countless uh, scriptures like the stories that we've gone through in the past just the past couple months of Mm -hmm. people who they knew that they were getting up to the wrong activities Right. right And they, they, once they were called out, man, they did anything to try and cover up their sins. Yeah. Um, Have you ever known somebody like that or had an experience where you literally have the proof in front of them and they're still denying it? I've had that experience in my life. And it's like, it's, I, I'm just flabbergasted every time. I'm like, I have the proof. And you still deny? It's just crazy. What, what, what? When we're so in it, things we go, <laughs> things we go to, you know. And that, and that's the, that's going to be the Lord, right? He's going to have it all out on the table. Yeah. Um, unless uh, we repent. Right. Right. Then. And sanctify. He, he's not going to have anything to hold against us. He's not going to bring anything up. And convert. Yeah. Converge and true conversion. 
So uh, I just want to again say like Alma here in verse 43, you know, he's speaking as one with authority. Yes. He's speaking as somebody that they knew. He's also just, he's speaking as one who actually really cares, you know, the energy of his soul. Mm. You know, like, I want y'all to figure this out. That's why I left the judgment seat, you know, right. um, I'm going to come down here and, and spend time with you. Um, he, he again refers back to his, calling according to the holy order of god which is in christ jesus yeah i'm commanded to stand and testify to this people the things which have been spoken by of our excuse me spoken by our fathers concerning the things which are to come so something i love sorry i hate to interrupt no something i love about these next couple of verses um i was in the mtc and I will say this, when I was in the MTC, I didn't have very many. I, I, hadn't, I had taught a little bit before that. Actually, a lot of it. I had been called as a gospel doctrine teacher a lot. But we were paired up and we were told, you know, find a verse of scripture you think would help your partner. But your partner didn't have to say anything. <laughs> you just had to discern by the spirit what was going on with them with something that could help them and um i remember i felt pulled to alma five right here uh for 44 and 45 and 46 and in verse 45 now alma said a lot up to this point okay like he has said a ton of things and he says and this is not all <laughs> it's like wait a second this is not all do you not suppose that I know of these things myself? Behold, I testify unto you unto you that I do know these things wherever I have spoken are true. And how do you suppose that I know of their surety? So he basically says, listen, I know what I'm saying to you is true. And here's how I know that I know these things are true. And he goes into verse 46. Behold, I say unto you that they are made known unto me by the Holy Spirit of God. Behold, and then here's the actions of what manifested the Spirit telling him. I have fasted and prayed many days that I might know of these things in myself. And now I do know of myself that they are true. For the Lord hath made them manifest unto me by his Holy Spirit. And this is the spirit of revelation which is in me. So he came to know these things because he fasted and prayed. And he can only stand up there and teach these things because he knows it to be true, right? Because he learned of it. So what I love is that even though he's telling all the people in Zarahemla about, you know, and the lands read about, about how he expects the Lord expects change. And if you don't change, here's, you'll be held before the judgment seat, filthy, you know, all these things. He only knows that because he figured it out himself. Right. And I thought that was so insightful about Alma um, and being willing to say, like, I cannot stand here unless I would have known for myself. It's just it. it he's just a man of no hypocrisy, you know? Yeah. And when I shared this, these scriptures, just to wrap back to the MTC experience, the um, 
the missionary I was paired with, he was like, I've just been wondering how I'm going to be able to testify of so many things we've been learning in the NTC. And then he said, this helped me a lot because I know that I've learned these things even when I was in primary. So I know I can teach them, you know. So it, it just... Alma acted in no hypocrisy. He acted out of the pure love of Christ when talking to these people. He had that pure testimony, right? It's founded, like I I read last week from my missionary planner. Yeah. You know, founded on the uh, love for our Heavenly Father, Mm -hmm. the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. And then today on the restoration of the gospel through the prophet Joseph Smith. And it is just incredible. He, he goes on and he just bears this powerful testimony based on his experience with the savior. And his experience may seem like, just something that we can't, we can't have, you know, he, he had this experience, an angel coming and (laughs) rebuking him. That's not the experience that he's talking about. He's not talking about the angel uh, coming and, and smacking him upside the head. And um, (laughs) the, the fasting and prayer, um, he doesn't count those days that he was unconscious. He counts the days that followed when he got up and and made decisions to follow Jesus Christ to to literally change his habits and his mind yeah to become converted yeah and, and to to retain that change right to keep remembering those things that helped him stay on the right path right so I, let's read verse 48. Yeah, I want to read 48. I say unto you that I know of myself that whatsoever I shall say unto you concerning that which is to come is true. And I say unto you that I know that Jesus Christ shall come. Yea, the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and mercy and truth. And behold, it is he that cometh to take away the sins of the world, yea, the sins of every man who steadfastly believeth on his name. Just that one verse, like, even got me a little bit teary-eyed because I can just hear Alma's pure testimony coming through off the screen of my phone. You know, most people would say from the words of my paper or my scriptures, but I can feel his, his pure testimony. And I, and I think I feel it even more because I know that's true too. You know, I've had those experiences for myself. And so all I can say is that if these people are not feeling something at this point, (laughs) then they're really choosing to not listen to the spirit. (laughs) Cause as I read it, I can't help but yield to the spirit and feel like I need to repent of so many things you know yeah because we're not perfect but i feel hopeful that's the thing i feel hopeful 
that I can do this. So. Yeah. And, and this is a message of hope that Alma's delivering. Um, in verse 49, he, he talks about how he's called to preach unto his beloved brethren. He says, yea, and everyone that dwells in the land, yea, to preach unto all, both old and young, both bond and free. Yea, I say unto you, um, or unto the aged and also the middle-aged and the rising generation, yea, to cry unto them that they must repent and be born again. It's, it's just the basic fundamentals, right? That's what's really important. Everyone needs to have their own conversion story. Mm-hmm. Um Alma is like the, he, he knows it better than anybody. It's like, I can't, I can't rely on my dad's testimony and conversion. I've got to have my own. It's true. Something I noticed about the last couple of verses or a few verses at least mm-hmm. is he starts calling out the things that they're doing. Uh, that we learned about in chapter four, mm-hmm. kind of starting in verse, I would say 53. He says, can you be puffed up in your pride of your hearts? Will you still persist in wearing costly apparel and setting your hearts upon the vain and things of the world and upon the riches? Will you persist in supposing that you're better than one another? <laughs> Will you persist in persecution um, of those who are humble and are being sanctified? Uh, through the Holy Ghost? Are you going to persist in turning your backs on the poor and the needy? We talked about this earlier, withholding substance from them. Will you persist in wickedness? I say unto you that these are they who shall be hewn down and cast into fire, except they speedily repent. So he just brings it all back because he's coming to an end here. But he brings it all back. Like, if you keep doing these things, I don't know how much clearer to make it that you're going to be hewn down and cast into the fire, a spiritual fire. You're going to be entrapped in your sins unless you repent. This whole chapter just screams repentance. Yeah, well, for sure. That was, that was what he was called to. And then, of course... I, I actually, honestly, I, I didn't read the end of this far, but he does invite people to come into Christ. Those who are feeling the desire to change and follow the Savior. He says, come ye out from the wicked and be separate mm-hmm. and touch not their unclean things. Sometimes when we want to make a change, we have to leave things behind. We literally have to let go of people. We have to let go of things. We have to let go of social media apps. <laughs> I, I could talk about that forever. But we have to let go of these things that we separate ourselves to show that we are of the good shepherd and we are his sheep. Yeah, I I was writing something earlier today and it was like, you know, taking taking responsibility uh, even as I, I called it ownership, right? That's what I used the word ownership. And it was taking this responsibility because no one else can do it for you. And knowing that 
I'm the only one that, that can make this change. And I'm going to sacrifice whatever I need to, to get closer to God, to be a better husband, better father, um, and, and so on and so forth. And when you make that decision, of course, you're going to take a few steps back every once in a while. That's, that's why we have a savior. Um, because he knows that we're not perfect. Even when we have this come to Jesus moment, right? <laughs> that expression, right? Even when we have that uh, experience, it's still not the end. You've got to continually, uh, you have to persist in the other direction now. Like, hey, are you going to persist? Like Alma says, are you going to persist in doing the things that you know are works of iniquity? Or are you going to persist in another direction, which is going to be much more difficult because you're going to be fighting against the natural man? Um, The adversary is going to be fighting against you. He's going to want you to go back the other way. Uh, Even some people in your life are going to say, man, what are you doing following Alma? That guy is a crackpot, right? <laughs> so um, he, he exhorts them, uh, those who are desirous to, to do this. And uh, he just goes on and he, he uses, you know, some very powerful language and um, imagery all to incite um, the fear of God in these people, right? In verses um, <clears throat> 59, 60, um, you know, likening, uh, <laughs> likening them to sheep and, and at risk of, uh, of a ravenous wolf, right? But, but this is interesting in, in verse 59, uh, for what shepherd is there among you, having many sheep, doth not watch over them, that the wolves enter not and devour his flock? And behold, if a wolf enter his flock, doth he not drive him out? Yea, and at the last, if he can, will he, uh, he will destroy him. Mm-hmm. And now I say unto you, that the good shepherd doth call after you. And if you will hearken unto his voice, again, hearken is listening with the intent to act. He will bring you into his fold. And ye are his sheep. And he commandeth you that ye suffer no ravenous wolf to enter among you, that ye may not be destroyed. Um, you know, and the, the Lord is he's pruning his vineyard, right? In the last days, there's a lot of people helping him do that uh, on both sides of the veil. And, um, you know, I think of the, the parable of the wheat and the tares, right? Those who have been planted um, by an adversary to detract and to, to take away from the, righteous, uh, the righteousness and those who are ready to be of use, right? What, what do we use wheat for? It's to, to make something, right? Mm-hmm. Something I want to go back to really quick because I know we're at the end. Mm-hmm. 
But I just find it so interesting back in verse 57 that he talks about the names. He says, um, and behold, their names shall be blotted out, meaning the names of the wicked. They're not going to be numbered among the righteous. Um, and at the end, it says the names of the wicked shall not be mingled with the names of my people. For the names of righteousness or righteous shall be written in the book of life. And I and unto them will I grant inheritance in my right hand. And I think that's just so insightful because it goes back to, I think, what we were talking to at the beginning of the chapter that Alma was talking about. That do you really want to stand with filthy garments with the people who are righteous? You know, you, we, you don't feel comfortable um, in a place like that. And so I don't think it's because... Heavenly Father's like, oh, you're dirty. You can't sit with us. It's that you don't feel comfortable here. So because I love you, I'm not going to number you. you. You get what I'm trying to say in a way? You know, what I think it is, um, our, we bring him up every podcast now, but our good friend Jared, Jared from Unshaken Saints, like an hour and a half in, and we almost got away with not mentioning his name. <laughs> Go figure. He gave this wonderful, um, recently in his episode um, in the Doctrine and Covenants about the degrees of glory and things like that. Um, he talked about the sons of perdition. And he. I'm going to boil it down to those are the people who chose after having full knowledge that Jesus was the Christ to reject him and even crucify him anew right if they could they'd crucify him again mm -hmm. right that's who that i don't want to say that these are the people that are uh, so wicked but but when we actively choose in this life to go away from what is right we are distancing ourselves from God. Mm -hmm. He's not distancing himself from us. Sin separates us from God. Right. So the, the reason that I, I mentioned that, right, we're not going to be numbered. We're not going to feel um, clean to be in their presence. If you are there listening um, after all this, and you want to be in the presence of God, our Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ, there's great news because you can be. It's those who would rather be distanced. It's those who don't want to be close to Him. Those are the people that that are going to be cut off. Um, but it's it is so much about what we what we choose to do, right? Um, we have to make changes in our lives to bring them into alignment with what what God wants us to do. Uh, he's put so many things in our lives to to help us with that. He's He's given us the gospel, and then He's also given us a Savior to rely on. It ultimately so 
as we come to an end, mm. <laughs> Alma at the end in 61, he says, and now I, Alma, do command you in the language of him who has commanded me that ye observe to do the words which I have spoken unto you, right? Do the good things. I speak by the way of command unto you that belong to the church and unto those who don't belong to the church. I speak by way of invitation saying, come and be baptized into repentance that ye also may be the partakers of the fruit of the tree of life. I love that he closes with an invitation. Um, he's not, I mean, he speaks in the language of, of him who hath commanded me, which is God, our father and Jesus Christ, his son. They are one. So same language, but I just love that. He just invites those who aren't, those who are members, I, I, I am commanding you because you have made commandments and, and promises already that you do need to keep. You do need to keep these commandments. Those who are not under that obligation, I invite you, right? I invite you to come on to him and be partakers. And then he ends. Yeah. That's it. Last thoughts? No, I've got them all out. Really? Yeah, I think so. I was just going to say, it's so simple. <laughs> yeah, right. it, it really is simple to make the decision to change. But it's hard to do the work. But the reason we can do the work is because we have our Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah. And with him... We can knock down mountains in our lives and mountains can become flat, flattened into hills and oceans that were running wild in our lives can be made into nice little streams, you know, all these things. So I know that to be true and I, and I testify that everything Alma said is true. <laughs> And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. It's been a while since we've we've borne a testimony like that. And that's, um, at least it feels like it has. Um, but yeah, this was this was like a behemoth of an episode. We, we really didn't intend to go through the entire thing. But I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I can speak for both of us because I know if, if Shelby had not wanted to go this long, we wouldn't be going this long right now. <laughs> She would have stopped it, but uh, I just felt like the spirit was was pushing us on and giving me uh, personally more insight that like guys, I didn't even read past verse thirty Same. in preparation for this episode, thinking that we were going to cut it into two parts, and somehow the spirit was just giving me insight into every new verse as I scroll on my phone. Um, and of course there are some that we, we glossed over, um, or didn't dig quite deep into, but there's always the next time around. That's what I've been saying lately. There's always <laughs> the next time around when we come back through. Yeah. That's in true. like, in like five years. From five. Now. 
Wow. It's a long time. But yeah, there, there always is the next time around. Yeah. I, I do agree with what Kevin said that this episode, we didn't really know how it was going to go, but we did want to follow the spirit. But I also knew I wasn't prepared past verse 30. <laughs> but when he started going, it was like I kept going. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this I think this is going to work if we just keep going. So anyway. And, you know, there's more that you all, listening can add to this conversation too so anything that you feel wasn't done justice in this episode you can definitely send us a message um you know i finally put our website in the spotify description so christcenteredconversations.org you can go there and you can communicate with us if you don't if you're not one of those people who have our Facebook Messenger information or our phone number, uh, stuff like that. So don't hesitate to reach out. Anyway, well, we'll be back next week with Alma chapter six, correct? So here's the thing with chapter six. It's super short. I haven't read any of it yet. Oh, I just looked over. It's not. We have a guest who was lined up for chapter seven. So we are going to talk with them and we may just go ahead and do that next week, combine them. Um, We'll talk to them. I don't know. I do know they have a lot going on the next couple of weeks, so they may not be available like they said they would. And that's okay. Well, like I said, we thought that this episode was going to be broken up into at least two so that was going to push it out to like three weeks. Three weeks, yeah. And now it's like next week. But we'll see. Um, we will see. If not you, you always got Kevin and Shelby here. <laughs> we, we'll, we will be here. Don't worry. Anyway, we'll, we'll be back next week, regardless, on Chapter 6 and probably 7. And we'll go from there. And thank you for listening. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.